0: Thank you, Tim, for sharing. All right. Hey, um, can you look at someone next to you and say, God loves you? Can you do that? God loves you. <laughs> and then can you uh, look at someone else and say, He likes you too. God likes you too. Yeah. Well, uh, welcome to those who are worshiping uh, both online as well as here in person. Um, it's important to know that God loves you. Um, Huge to know that God likes you, especially as we go through some of the storms that we go through in life. Um, As our presider, Eugene, was sharing um, as we began our service, uh, maybe you're going through a storm in your life. Maybe this week uh, has been like something crazy, like wild things happened, perhaps. Uh, As you look through Scripture, there's at least three reasons why uh, God seems to send storms. The first Um, God sends storms in order that we might be brought to repentance. If you uh, remember the book of Jonah, the true story of Jonah, the wayward prophet, while he was running away from God, he went on a boat to go the opposite direction that God was sending him in, and God sent a storm. Literally he threw a storm in order to get Jonah's attention. Sometimes God sends storms our way in order that we would uh, stop running from him, that we would realize the sin in our lives and that we would repent. Other times God sends storms in order that they might reveal something about our hearts. This is what we saw last week when Jesus calmed the storm uh, when the disciples were in the midst of the boat. He asked them a question. He said, "Uh, why did you doubt? Where is your faith? Maybe as you've gone through a storm this week, the question that God is asking is, where's your faith? Maybe you went through, uh, you're going through a financial storm, perhaps. And he says, where's your faith? Your faith might be in the coming stimulus check that comes. God says, where's your faith? What if that doesn't come? What if that falls apart? What if, what, if, what if all these things happen? Where is your faith? Sometimes God sends storms in order to reveal what's going on, our idols, to reveal our trust, our lack of trust, our sin within ourselves. And then another reason God sends storms is that our faith might be refined. Sometimes you feel like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I feel like I'm doing. I'm in the right place. God sends storms either to lead us to repentance, to lead us to a revelation of our own hearts, or to lead us to a place of refining and growing in our faith. Today, I want to look at this third reason why God sends storms in our lives, to help us to grow in our faith. We're going to look at what happens when it seems as if God is sending a storm that it comes out of nowhere, and man, this is more than I can deal with, more than I can handle. What happens when we begin to face next-level kind of storms in our lives? This is what we going to look at. Matthew 14, going to read verses 22 to 33. Uh, Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture that's uh, pretty familiar. If you've grown up in church, if you've been in in, in children's ministry, if you've gone through children's ministry, it's a true story that's often told and often talked about. What I want to do is bring it uh, to bear, bring to light in uh, our context and what God might be saying to us today. Uh, Matthew 14. Last week, we looked in the Gospel of Mark at a storm that Jesus stilled. He's hanging out in the boat with His people. He speaks to the wind of the waves, and the storm calms down. Today, we're going to look at one later in Jesus' life towards the latter part of His ministry. This is what we see in Matthew 14, also recorded in Mark 6 and in Luke chapters, in John chapter 6. This is Matthew's version as an eyewitness, one who was on the boat. It says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of Him to the other side while He dismissed the crowd. After He had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, "'Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid.' "'Lord, if it's you,' Peter replied, "'tell me to come to you on the water.' "'Come,' he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, "'Lord, save me!' immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? When they climbed in the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you're the son of God. This is God's word. What an amazing, amazing uh, true story of what happened 2,000 years ago. So here's Jesus. This is we're coming up towards the end of Jesus' life, towards the end of his ministry. Um, the secret is out of who he is. How do we know? Because right before it says Jesus feeds the 5,000. Remember, this is the Sea of Galilee, a bunch of little towns dotting, lining the Sea of Galilee, and he's just fed 5,000 people, and they're only counting the men, so people say probably like 15,000 if you count women and children. Thousands of people are following Jesus. Up until this point, Every miracle Jesus did, and you could read through it in the Gospels, every miracle Jesus did was either with individuals, right? Individual people or with small groups of people, right? Small groups would see what Jesus was doing. But here it's like all of a sudden he's blasting who he is to the public. 5,000 hungry people are fed by Jesus and immediately they're thinking to themselves, you know what, if this guy heals sick people, if lepers are cleansed, if dead people are raised, if if we're hungry and we can get fed... Like You know how important it is for us to eat. That's why one of the first things Jesus says when you pray is, give us this day our daily bread, because people were longing for food. It wasn't always easy to come by food. When Jesus can give us food, then surely he can be the king. He can free us from oppression. He can give us everything that we need. I mean, look at what he's doing. So Jesus knows the clock is ticking on his life. He knows that the Jewish leadership, the religious leaders, are going to start hating on him and are going to begin plotting for his death. And so the question that he asks is, if I'm about to go, is the movement going to go with me or do the successors into whose hand I'm putting the baton, are they ready? Do they have the faith in order to carry this movement to the ends of the earth? (laughs) He says, I need to test them and I need to train them. And how would he do that? He does it through a storm. Guys, If God wants to test what's inside a man or a woman, if he wants to train a man or woman for the next level to graduate to the next grade of faith, he oftentimes brings a storm in your life. Some of you going through that right now. Take heart because God has a very good and wonderful purpose for it. Though you see it, though you don't see it, uh, there's a purpose of God in it. And so he says, guys, get in the boat. And the disciples are immediately thinking, last time Jesus told us get in the boat, <laughs> didn't turn out that great. It was scary. It was a happy ending to it. We're still alive, but hey, it was scary. But he says, get into the boat. And so they do, and the same thing happens. The winds and the waves come. It says in John, I think John 6, 48, it says, they were Struggling and straining. Time wise, it says eight in the evening is when the storms come. Okay, so we're in the boat, and in John's gospel, it says that they'd gone about three miles. So for however long they're rowing, it's been all these hours, and they've been there, and they've only gone three miles. Right, this was a pretty pitiful pace in which they're going. In fact, it, it, John says they were straining at the oars. Literally, the, the word says they were tortured as they were straining to fight against the wind and the waves that were up against them and so they're tired and they're tortured and they're stinky and they're soaked they're hungry uh, they're going this, this is a storm of epic proportions far worse than the one they were in before then it says, during the fourth watch of the night, okay, if you've ever been to the restaurant first watch, you know it's a breakfast joint. Six to nine is the first watch, whether you're morning, talking about morning or night, six to nine is your first watch, nine to 12 is your second, 12 to three is your third, and the fourth watch goes from three to six, okay, first watch in the morning, I'm sorry, fourth watch in the morning, uh, three to six in the afternoon, first watch at night is three to six in the morning. So it's three to six in the morning when Jesus comes walking to His disciples on the Sea of Galilee. What do you do when you're facing a storm that you've never faced before? What do you do when you're facing a storm that's far greater than the last storm, than any other storm that you've faced? Three thoughts we see here. Here's the first thing: fix your eyes on Jesus. Are you going through a storm today? Has it been difficult? May I ask you? In the midst of it all, as we realized last week that the purpose of the storm was for us to see more of Jesus, the question is, how have you been fixing your gaze upon him? For the disciples, this is deja vu all over again. They get into the boat, and they're going, and all of a sudden, a storm comes. A storm comes, and the same thing that happened a year ago, two years ago, whenever it was, is happening again. They're in the midst of a storm, and they feel like the storm is going to overtake them. The difference between this storm and that storm was in that storm, Jesus was there with them. He was in the boat with them. In this storm, he's nowhere to be seen. In that storm, he was merely asleep, But in this storm, he's completely absent. That storm, he was there, he was aloof. But they could just call on him, wake him up, which they did. In this storm, they're all alone. Have you ever felt like you were in a storm? You hear this message last week, but you're like, I don't don't feel Jesus near me at all. I don't know where he is. He's supposed to be, I'm supposed to see him, but I don't see him anywhere. What we see in Mark 6, 19 is that even though the disciples couldn't see Jesus, Jesus could see the disciples. From where he was on the mountain praying, it says he could see his disciples as they were struggling And straining, sometimes it may feel like the wind and the waves and the darkness are clouding your vision of Jesus. I don't see Him anywhere, but even though He may be out of your sight, you're never out of His. And sometimes that's what it takes for us to get to the next level in our understanding of faith. I don't know if any of you watch a show called Man vs. Wild. Anyone watch Man vs. Wild? Um, it's about this like uh, British guy named Bear Girls. Even in the first service, too, it's just a, a middle school girl who said, I watch it, but no, no one else watches it. So, yeah, Ella, thank you. So, a couple of our middle school girls love watching Man vs. Wild in the event that they get stranded in the wilderness and have some kind of a conundrum in the wild. They've got to fi- watch this show. And that's what he does. He puts himself, gets stranded in these weird places. He's like on a raft for like days and he has to. Drink his own urine (laughs) in order to survive because the salt water would dehydrate and kill him. He's in the midst of the woods and he's got no food. He's got to fight a lion. Like how do you fight a lion? That's crazy. He's got to eat bugs in order to survive. All of these crazy situations. And I remember um, I was I was reading this this interview that someone did with him and said, you know what, Um, your life is so crazy. It's so cool, but. You're a parent also. Like, what do you do? Like, what do you do when your kids do some crazy stuff and you tell them to stop? And they're like, but you do even worse things. Like, what do you do? What do you tell them? It's a great question, I think. Well, he says, what you don't realize is that in every episode, if I'm in the wild, if I'm on the seas, if I'm in a mountain, if I'm stuck in a fire, what you don't see on TV is that there's always a safety net for me. There's always... A way out for me if it if i'm gonna die if my life is in danger if i'm threatened there, a helicopter can come and swoop me away there's always a safety net there's a boat right nearby off screen that you don't see that if i fall in because I, I can't breathe they're gonna come and rescue there's always a safety net and so what he says to his kids as you're climbing up that tree what's your safety net that's fine that you do that but what's your safety net what happens if you fall and you break your leg what are you gonna do Do you have a phone on you? Do you have a walkie-talkie on you? What are you going to do when you're all alone? Your sister's not with you. Your brother's not with you. What are you going to do as you go into the river? What are you going to do? What's your safety net? He said, what they don't see is that there's always a safety net for me. And what Jesus was saying, listen, up until this point in time, there's always been a safety net. I've been there. You saw it. Even though other people didn't, I've always been there with you. What Jesus is saying is, I need to remove what seems to you like a safety net. Can you survive in the storm when you don't see me there? Because off stage, here's the reality. What they didn't see and what you and I often don't see is that off stage, there actually is a safety net. Jesus is the safety net. Jesus was seeing them. He saw them. He knew them. And though they were straining on the sea for hours, (laughs) it was not a minute too long because Jesus was there. He saw them and he knew. And he wasn't going to come a minute too late for them. In the midst of your storm, here's what Jesus is saying. I'm there, whether you see me or not. He would come walking on the water in impossible situations. He was there. They didn't see him, but he's saying, I'm there with you. And as you go through a storm, maybe you feel like last time I went through the storm, Jesus seemed so near to me, with Christ in my vessel, I could smile at the storm. (laughs) But now he doesn't seem like he's in my vessel. I don't see him anymore. Where is he? Jesus says, I'm there. You've just got to look and fix your gaze upon me. Jesus is there whether you see him or not. Are you looking at him? That's why we began this series talking about the disciplines. How do you you fix your gaze on Jesus in the midst of the storm? Let me ask you simply, have you been seeking him in the Word of God, right? Seeking to encounter Jesus through the Word of God. Have you been bringing your storm before God in prayer and in fasting? Have you engaged in community and brought your storm before... Some people say to me, you know what, Pastor D.L., I'm going through this storm. I don't want to tell anybody yet. I don't want to tell my house church. I'm not sure that I'm ready to tell them. Then what I think the Bible is saying is then we might not be ready to be able to endure and see Jesus in the midst of this particular phase of the storm then. Are we seeing him? Are we engaging in him? Because the purpose of the storm is not that we would not see him. It's that we would see him. And the first way that we overcome is by fixing our gaze upon Jesus in the midst of the storm. As you go through the difficulties this week, have you been looking for Jesus or have you been so fixated on your storm? If I may confess for a moment here, this is confessions of a bad pastor. As I think about the struggles and the challenges that you go through in life. As I read emails from you or your house church shepherds, as I exchange text messages, I, as I think about conversations that I've had, as I pray about the prayer requests that are coming through for the Daniel fast, as I think about the needs within our people. Can I, can I tell you, like my first instinct as i as i think about these things as god help their storms to be stilled lord save them from this storm as i think about the depression that you go through as i think about the cancer that you go through as I think about the difficulties in your house that you're dealing with, as I think about the difficulties in the workplace, as I think about the anxiety that you're going through, my first instinct is, God, would you take these away from them? I don't want them to deal with this. I don't want them to deal with these things. I don't want them to be struggling under the weight of these things. Storm, storm, go away. Come again. Never. That's my prayer. That's my hope. That's my desire. But I realize that's not the desire of Jesus sometimes. The desire of Jesus is not that these storms would be taken away. The, The desire is that through the storm that you would see Jesus and that you would fix your gaze upon him. Because a storm is wasted if we don't see more of Jesus. His purpose is that through that 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 identity struggle that you're having through the bullying that you're going through or that your child is going through, through the difficulties that you have as a parent is that you would see Jesus, not that you'd be spared from them. You see, last week it was Jesus saying, peace be still, and then he gets in the boat, everything is calm, and they're like, what the heck? Here, in the midst of the waves, in the midst of the wind, that's all still raging, Jesus comes and he says, take courage, it is I. We don't like it that way. We, don't, we want the storm to be stilled before he calms us. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Sometimes in the midst of the storm, you need to realize the peace of Christ so that the world sees that there's a difference in how you go through a storm than the way they do. Sometimes he whispers, peace be still. You know that song? He can settle any storm and oftentimes he will. Sometimes he calms the storm and other times he calms his child. the midst of the storm, his desire is that you would lift your eyes upwards to see Jesus. That's what he wants, for us to fix our gaze upon him because there's something that God is doing in us through the storm that we don't see. And by seeing him in the midst of it, we begin to open our hearts to what he wants to do. First thing, fix your eyes on Jesus. Second thing, second thing, take the next step. Take one step to Jesus. Okay, take one step to Jesus. In the midst of the storm that you're going through, right, you fix your eyes on him, fix your gaze on him, and take one step. What's the next step? Just, that's all, it's all he's saying. You don't have to take a million steps, just take one step. The next step that you see, take that step. What is he calling you to do? What's that one step he's calling you to do? Because for all of us in the midst of a storm, there'll be something that he's saying. Maybe it is, hey, get into a house church and share. Or you're in a small group for youth ministry. Uh, Have the courage and share that thing. Maybe it's to engage in, I don't want to do anything for Lent. Maybe it's to engage in something during Lent and to pray for that. But here, Jesus comes in the midst of the wind and the waves, walking on the water, and they're flipping out, and Jesus says in verse 27, immediately. You see, twice he says immediately. So Jesus isn't, he's not letting them linger in this longer than they ought to. Immediately, Jesus said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Have you ever had times where, I don't know, maybe you came in late at night, and the house is dark, the apartment is dark, and so you walk in, and you live in with your parents, you live with your kids, and you walk in, and and your parent or your kid is scared to death, and they're like, oh my gosh, and and you say, don't worry, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. When's the last time you said that? Anybody, probably, we don't say that. Why does, Jesus could have said, guys, relax, it's me. It's Jesus. He says, take courage. It is I. What a weird grammatical construction. Well, until you realize that when Jesus says, it is I, same thing he says in John eight fifty eight. before Abraham was, it is I, I am, ego, a me, in Greek. What is he saying? He's saying the exact same thing that God said when Moses asked him at the burning bush, who are you? What's your name? What's your name? Jesus is saying, ego, a me. Take courage. Don't be afraid. I am who I am. And to the Jewish scholars who are the disciples, they realize the man who walks on water, he must be God. The one who walks on water, he's saying he's God. So in the midst of that, the only one who really gets it, Peter replies, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. What is Peter doing? Do you, do you understand? Peter's not trying to, he, it's not, we're, in the, we're in a boat here, and Peter's like, Jesus, I want to walk on water too. I want to walk on water. Let me do it. That's not what he's saying. Jesus, these clowns, they don't, they don't think it's possible, but I want to I do it. I want to see a miracle in my life. That's not what he's saying. Look at, look at what Peter says. He says, Lord, if it's you, Tell me to come to you. What's he saying? Think, Jesus, if that's really you, I just want to be where you are in the midst of the storm. If that means doing something that that doesn't make any sense, it doesn't matter. I want to be where you are. Jesus, if that's really you, I believe that it's safer in the water where you are than to be apart from you in the boat. It's better to be with you there. Even if it means me taking a step of faith out of my comfort zone. Even if it means me doing something that no one's ever done before. Even if it means me doing something that all these guys are going to make fun of me for doing. If it's really you, I just want to be where you are. I want to see you and I want to be where you are. And if it's really you, tell me to get to where you are. Jesus could have said a million things. He could have said, Peter, just trust me. He could have said, Peter, I'm coming. He could have said, Peter, just relax. But he only says one word and one word only. He says, come. And all of a sudden, Peter's like, you know what? If, if you're really God, if you can make the rules, then you can break the rules. And you can do that for me also. If you're really who you say you are, I just want to be where you are. Guys, is there, is there any better place in the midst of the storms that you're going through right now, is there any better place to be, any more safe place, any more trustworthy place, any more secure place than to be with Jesus in the midst of the storm? Better to be in a storm with Jesus on the high seas than to be in a boat without Jesus there. He says, listen, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come because I'll believe it if you say it. I'll believe it if you say it. And he says, come. And Peter says, I'm coming. One step at a time. Uh, over the summer, last summer, my family, we were traveling from Virginia down here, uh, back here to Florida. We stopped in uh, North Carolina, Nashville, Black Mountain area, and we wanted to spend uh, part of a day uh, just doing something in nature. And so we went on a ropes course. We went on a ropes course. Uh, Manny and Elijah, our older kids, they did a ropes course for, like, bigger kids. And so they're, like, high up in the air, harnessed in, and and they're doing their thing and saying, hey, look at me, take pictures of me. And and then there's little Elise, who's only, like, five at the time. and, And so she's doing, like, this little ropes course where there's this, like, starts out with a balance beam that's about, like, three feet over the ground. And and she's walking, and she's harnessed in, and she's got her helmet in, and she's like walking along the balance beam, and then it uh, gets graduates to higher and higher and higher levels. So it was either Olive or I would go on the ropes course, it was raining that day, um, and somehow uh, I ended up being the one who got to walk with Elise on her uh, journey around the ropes course. Olive was taking pictures and, and doing other things, helping the other kids, so here we are. Elise and I are walking on the ropes course. It's raining, and it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit slick out there, but not bad. Uh, the ropes course, they, they said, hey, you know what? Uh, we're going to stay open unless lightning comes. And if lightning comes, we're going to shut down. But a little bit of water, as long as you're not wearing slippers or crocs, you're fine. And so we're in our shoes, and we go on the ropes course, and, and Elise is killing it. And so with a little bit of time left, she's like, I want to try that one I haven't tried before. And so she goes up to the highest one. This is probably about, uh, still about it's, it's for the little kids, but it's still about 20 feet up in the air, so pretty high. Uh, we're harnessed in. We've got our helmets in, so even if we fall, we're like swinging, and they're going to come and get us. So I was walking in front of Elise and I'm walking in front and this was, uh, you know, honestly it's like slightly scary uh, for Elise, but for me it's no big deal. I'm running across um, and it's fine. I get to the other side and Elise is waiting there and I said, okay Elise, come on, it's your turn now. You can't go backwards on this because there's different like hooks and carabiners and things that you need to do and you can only go one way. So here's Elise and she's on the platform and I said, okay, come now, come. And she's like, she said no. I was like, I can't go backwards. Like, you got to come. And she said, nope, not coming. She shook her head and she just like stared at me. I was like, Elise, you got to come because our time is ticking and we got to do other things. And she's like, I can't. I'm scared. (laughs) I was like, but Daddy did it. It was no problem. Like, you can do it too. Just come. And she's like, I'm scared. I can't do it. So I said, Elise, it's okay. You know, daddy's here. Like, I'm here the whole time. I'm here. Just come to me. And she said, I can't. I'm scared. So I was getting frustrated. I said, Elise, do you want me to call the man with the ladder to come and get you then? And she did like this. And so I was like, dude, that's so embarrassing. Like, we're up in the middle of here. So I said, I can't. I'm scared. And so I said, you have to come to me. You've got to come to me. I said, Elise, you can do it, though. Daddy's right here. I said, don't look down, right? It's scary when you look down. Just look at daddy, okay? Just look at daddy and come, okay? Just come to me, just take one step and hold on to the, to, to the rope on top of you. Hold on to the rope, look at daddy and just come one step at a time. And so she came, one step, two steps. The whole time she's looking at daddy. It's only like 10 steps. You, got, you can do this, three steps, four steps and then she's making it and then she be, after she gets about halfway she's realizing I'm almost there. She's building a sense of confidence that if I just fix my gaze on daddy and I take one step at a time that I'm going to make it to where I need to get to. And after she's built up a little bit of faith in herself, for a split second she looked down at how high up she was and it was in that split second that she fell off of the balance. I'm just kidding, she didn't. The reason she didn't is because she knew, hey, for a child to make it, They need to fix their eyes on daddy. Just take one step at a time. One step at a time. Until she finally made it. And when she made it, I grabbed her. I gave her a big hug. She was happy, but she wasn't letting anybody show it because she's like too cool for school. She's like, yeah, I'm tough. I did it. But she looked back. I was like, Elise, look how far you've come. Like you didn't think that you could make it through this But look, you made it into the embrace of your daddy. You made it. In the midst of the storm, what are we to do? We're to fix our gaze on Jesus and take one step of faithful obedience until we get to him one step at a time. In the midst of the storm, guys, God is probably calling you to do something, something that's good, and you don't want to do it because it's uncomfortable. For Peter, he just, listen, I just want to get to where you are, Jesus. Tell me what I need to do. Tell me what I need to do. He said, come. He's like, all right, I'm going to come. Come. And all the other disciples said, Peter, here goes Peter again. He's acting a fool again, but he does it. Doesn't matter what anybody else says. Doesn't matter how crazy it looks. Doesn't matter how foolish it looks. As long as Jesus says, come, he says, I'm going to come. I'm going to take a step of obedience. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I'm not going to be distracted by the wind, by the waves, by the words of the people behind me. I'm going to come to Jesus. You see, getting to Jesus was the goal, obedience was the means, and a miracle was the result. Do you understand this? There was, it, it, the, the aim was not, I want to walk on water. The aim was not, I want to do a miracle. That was not the goal. The goal was just to get to Jesus. And when he took a step in obedient faith when he looked back he's like Jesus is like come Peter look at me look at me look at me one step Peter you can do it one step Peter you can do it one step Peter you can do it Peter look you're walking on water The miracle was the byproduct of obedience it wasn't the goal it wasn't let's do something great for Jesus let's do something awesome for Jesus the goal was let's just be where Jesus is and be obedient to him. And as a result, the miracle came. You see, the miracle always comes one step outside of your comfort zone. This isn't a story of Bartholomew walks on water, Nathaniel walks on water, Matthew walks on can you Can you imagine Matthew's writing this? He's like, man, this could have been me. This could have been then Matthew got out, uh, out of the boat, but he's writing about Peter because Matthew didn't come outside of the boat because he wanted to stay where the comfort was, where the boat was, where the safety was. Where Jesus was out there, he wasn't willing to go, but Peter was. He was willing to get outside of his comfort zone. Miracles often, when you read scripture, one happen in storms and two happen one step outside of what's comfortable. Hey, there's a crowd of people who are starving. Hey boy, can you come? And bring your lunch, but it's going to mean you've got to come out from the crowd and bring your little dinky lunch. And everybody's going to be like, what is that going to do? People are going to make fun of you. People are going to, your friends are going to say, don't do it. Your mom's going to say, I packed you that lunch. But he did it. And one step out of where it was comfortable, there was a miracle. Your friend is busted up. He can't walk. Let's just leave him at the doorstep. No, 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 no. That's easy for us to do. But to bring him down through the roof, that's uncomfortable. But that's where obedience comes, and that's where the miracle lies. It's always one step outside of what's comfortable. Blind man begging Jesus to heal him. Everyone tells him to stop yelling. Everybody's staring at you. He don't have time for you. But one step out of what's comfortable is where the miracle comes. It's where Jesus often wants to show up in our lives too. What's that step of obedience for you? What does that look like for you? What has Jesus been impressing upon your heart for you to do? What's that step in your life? You fix your gaze on Jesus in the midst of the storm that you're in. You take a step, one step of obedient faith. And then the last thing is keep fixing your gaze on Jesus. Keep fixing your eyes on Jesus. Because here's the deal, guys, it's easy for us in the middle, in the midst, at the beginning of the storm, for us to focus our eyes on Jesus. It's easy for us to do that when everyone's telling us to do it. It's easy for us to do that when the going is rough, but when the miracle comes, that's when it's easy for us to stop taking our eyes, to take our eyes off Jesus. He's walking on water, the miracle is happening, and then he says, Peter saw the wind. He was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Then immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. (laughs) Why do you doubt? In the midst of the waves, in the midst of the wind, we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. And then the wind dies down. And then the storm dies. Oftentimes, it's easy for us when things are going good again. There's still this stuff raging around me. I'm walking on water, though. It's easy for us to take our eyes off of Jesus then. But he says, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done with the lesson of the storm. Keep fixing your gaze upon me. Keep looking at me. Keep holding on to me. It's easy. And the temptation is, in the midst of the storm, for us, to glance at Jesus and then to gaze at the storm. To glance at Jesus and to gaze at the storm. where Jesus says, no, let it be the opposite. You want to walk on top of this storm, you've got to glance at the storm, and then you've got to gaze at Jesus. Again, praying the Word of God, engaging in community, seeking the Lord God, praying, worshiping, looking into the eyes of Jesus even in the face of distractions, especially in the face of distractions. I read this interview, a tennis player named Naomi Osaka. She's a half-Japanese, half-African-American tennis player. She's kind of risen to prominence past two, three years. She was, in some ways, she was mentored by Kobe Bryant, a great basketball player who passed away last year. And someone asked her, what was the, what was the best lesson, what was the greatest lesson you learned from, from Kobe? And she said, there's a time when, you know, I was a darling of tennis. She didn't say it in that way, but she was a darling of tennis. And, and then she started losing matches, She started being very outspoken about um, equality, especially for the lives of African-American people. And she started speaking out against it. So she was criticized for it in, the, in Twitter and in social media. Media interviewers were, you know, were talking bad about her. And she said, how do I, how do I continue to, to stay focused and not be distracted by all these things that people are saying about me? And uh, basically, as she's retelling the story, she said, Kobe Bryant said to me, do you ever uh, watch the animal planet and you watch um, the lion videos where the lions are hunting down their prey? Do you ever watch the lion videos and you see them and you see the lion, and then you see in the distance a deer, and the deer is running around, and you look at the lion again, and the lion is just focused on the deer as it runs around. (laughs) He says, you got to be focused on the deer, basically whatever that is, like for you to become the best tennis player, for for, for our sake, it's, hey, Jesus is the deer that we're focused on as he's wherever he is, and a lot of different things are going to keep us, distract us from seeing Jesus. He says, when you when, when the camera zooms in on the lion, you look at the lion's face and you'll notice two things. One, again, the focus on the deer. His eyes are going wherever the deer is going. And then the second thing, when you zoom up on the lion, you see that there's all these flies and bugs that are flying around the lion. And what I, I guess Kobe Bryant said to this, this tennis player, he said, there are so many bugs flying around but you never see the lion's eyes looking at the bugs. nor do you ever see the lion once swat away at the bugs. He just focused on the object of its desire. He says, we have to be like that. You need to focus on Jesus with that kind of a laser-like focus, even in the face of all the things that distract us. Our need That's why before the storm ever happens, guys, we need to be in the Word of God, developing habits of being in the Word and praying and fasting and engaging in community so that when the difficulty comes, it will be an instinct that you know that you've got to keep on doing these things. That's how we fix our gaze on Jesus. Obviously, if that's not been a habit, a pattern in your life, it will be more difficult for you when the storms come. But, yeah, you still do it because that's how you fix your eyes upon Jesus. And so Peter does. Jesus picks him up, gets him embarrassed and soaking wet into the boat, and he says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And I think most of us, when we read into this, we read this to be, gosh, darn it, Peter, why'd you do that? Like, you, man, you were, you were doing great. Why'd you doubt? You have such little faith. But what Jesus is literally saying, what in English is four words, is one word in the Greek. You of little faith. Jesus actually says, little faith. It's a nickname. It's a term of endearment. Little faith, kind of like little John, little David, little Annie, little faith. Why did you doubt? In other words, what Jesus is saying is, little faith, had it been big faith with your eyes fixed on me, that's all faith is. It's fixing our eyes on the right place. If your eyes were fixed on me, Peter, you could have walked across the entire sea of Galilee. What Jesus was not saying was, Peter, your faith is so little. That's why you fell. What he was doing was he was actually rebuking the 11 disciples in the boat. Peter was little faith, but you guys holding tightly and safely to the fixtures of the boat, if Peter was little faith, you were non-existent faith. You were no faith. You were, where was your faith? See, it might have been little faith that made Peter sink, but it was also little faith that made Peter walk on water. Little faith is a difference between those who stayed in the boat and the one who walked to Jesus on the water. As you go through the storms, as you go through the storms in life, Jesus is trying to take your faith deeper because here's what ended up happening. In the storm we saw last week early in Jesus' ministry, The disciples, all 12 of them, saw a vision of Jesus unlike anything they'd seen before, and they said, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Here, they say the same thing. They worshiped him, but they said, truly, he is the son of God. What were they seeing here? Well, there they saw Jesus is Lord of the storm. With just a word, the wind and the waves are stilled. Here... They see Jesus, again, the Lord of the storm, but they saw an ordinary person, one of them, someone just like you and me, doing the unthinkable. And all of a sudden, they begin to realize, maybe if my eyes are fixed on Jesus, if I take one step at a time, then maybe, maybe that God can do a work like that through me. Maybe through my life. Jesus can do miracles also. That's what the disciples needed to see. Not only Jesus doing it, not only him being the miracle worker, but him through me. Wow, he can use my life to bring about miracles even in the midst of the storms of life. What is Jesus doing through the storms? He's trying to teach us lessons. He's trying to teach us lessons by getting us to see more of Jesus. Because you see, the greatest lessons that Jesus wants to teach happen in the midst of storms. The difficulties, the hardships, the challenges of life. What lessons were learned in the midst of the storm last week? I mean, there was one house church shepherd last week in the midst of our shepherds meeting was saying, uh, talking about their house church, that there are storms that are going on in the life of some of our members but it is causing their faith to grow. It's causing them to seek after God, causing them to pray and cling to God in ways that they've never done before. And they said, it would have never happened that it would have never happened that they'd be that desperate for God and clinging to Jesus had it not been for the storm. His greatest lessons are taught through the storms of life. If we'd be willing to see him take a step and learn the lessons. Because you see, there would be one other storm that we see in Jesus' life, where perhaps the greatest lesson of all is taught. It's a storm not with winds and waves, not with water, but with fire. Storm would come at the end of Jesus' life, when Jesus would drink the cup of the wrath of God, there in a cosmic, epic reversal of seismic proportions, The Lord over the storm would become subject to the storm. There at the cross, Jesus Christ would take the storm of God's wrath and judgment upon himself in the stead of sinful humans like you and me. What was the message of that storm? Here's the message. The message of all of these storms is Jesus is with you in the storm. He will be with you in the storm. The message of that final storm at Calvary was that Jesus would put himself in the midst of the ultimate storm and he would do it for you. If Jesus is willing to go through the ultimate storm for you, then there is no storm that he will not be available with you. Every storm that you go through, the cross tells us that wherever you are, whatever you face, whatever hardship, whatever the doctor said, whatever the inspector said, whatever anybody said, in the midst of whatever storm you're going through, if he was willing to go through the ultimate for you, then he will go through any other storm with you. And you have nothing to fear and no reason to doubt. Are you going through a storm today? Going through a storm today? Maybe it's a storm of I didn't get into college. It's a storm of I didn't get that job. It's a storm of how long, oh Lord. It's a storm of I don't know what's going on in my body. It's a storm of I don't know what's going on in my workplace. It's a storm of I don't know what's going on inside of my house. Jesus says, I know what's going on inside of your heart. And I'm here with you. Fix your gaze upon me. Take the next step. Not just random faith. Peter didn't say, let me walk on water. He said, let me come to you. Take the next step towards me. Keep fixing your eyes upon me. You'll see me in the storm. You'll learn through the storm. And who knows, maybe you'll see a miracle as you walk on the storms that were meant to bring you to Jesus. Let's pray together. Let's pray in the midst of the storm that there's a God who's faithful through the wind and the waves He'll always be faithful. He'll still be faithful. Though the sun refused to shine, time is no more, he'll still be faithful. Jesus, ever be faithful. If he's not with you in the boat, he's walking alongside you in your boat. If he's not with you asking you to awaken him, he says, you come to me. Watch me do something in you that you could never do. Let's pray for a minute. Pray for two minutes. Pray for faith. Lord, I want to see more of you. Fix my gaze upon you. Help me to walk with you. Help me to get outside the boat to where you are. Best place in the storm. It's not in the boat if Jesus isn't there. It's wherever Jesus is. So Let's pray together for a minute. Pray for those going through storms. Pray for your family and friends. Let's commit our storms to the Lord. That I'd be faithful, we'd be faithful, as a church be faithful. We'd come out of this having grown so much. As you go through Daniel fast, many, many, many of us experiencing spiritual battle, difficulty. Oh, there's going to be testimonies come week three, I believe, with all of my heart. We keep on seeking the Lord God. Greater things are yet to come. Let's pray. Let's trust. Let's seek. Let's know. Let's pray for a minute like that, and then I'll pray for us. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for all that you're doing in us. Honestly, God, I would much rather you calm our storms in order that you would calm our hearts. But sometimes you want to calm our hearts before you calm the storms in order that the end result would be far better. Maybe through our storms. Maybe through our storms, through our locking gaze on you and walking towards you in obedience there are miracles waiting to happen maybe there are people waiting to be saved maybe there are people waiting to see you maybe there's a water walking giant slaying mountain moving wall breaking kind of thing that you want to do through us if we would take a step of faith not just to do it but because we know you're calling us there because we know you're there Lord help us May we love you, long for you, desire you, obey you. Take a step of glad, filled, obedient faith, even in the face of the storm, and the trust that you will do with it far more than we could ever imagine through one step of faith that we take. So help us, Lord. We love you because you've loved us first. Pray these things in Jesus' name.